Well, this January, we're talking about praying with Jesus. And in this series, we're looking at the phrases of the Lord's Prayer. And we're looking at these phrases through the lens of other scripture passages. And so each Sunday, we look at a different phrase. And then we're looking at another passage in the Bible that expand, helps expand for us the meaning of the phrase of the Lord's Prayer. The Lord's Prayer is a model prayer. It's an example prayer. Jesus really didn't intend for us to pray it verbatim over and over again. He, he gave it to us so that we can understand how to pray, the things we ought to pray for, the priorities that we have in prayer. And why spend time studying prayer? Because prayer is really one of the most important, perhaps it's the most important thing that you and I can do in our Christian life. Prayer is communicating with God. Now we just say that and it just kind of go, oh yeah, prayer is, prayer is communicating with God, the creator of the universe, the creator of you and I. That's incredible that each and every one of us has that opportunity that connects us with God himself. And with God, the Bible says, nothing is impossible. All things are possible with God. And so I want to learn how to pray more powerfully. I want to learn how to pray more effectively. I want you also to learn how to pray more powerful prayers. Now today, the message is called Living for the Kingdom. We're going to look at the phrase, which is found in uh, the Lord's Prayer in Matthew 6, verse 10. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so this request is asking for the kingdom of God to come to the earth. It's asking for God's will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. The kingdom of God exists in heaven in full expression. There's no sin in heaven. Everything is perfect in heaven. And we're praying for that expression of the kingdom of God to come to earth. Now is God's will being done perfectly on earth right now? Okay, one definite no. The rest of you are not sure. Okay, no, God's will is not being done on earth. There's evil, there's sin, there's all kinds of things that we know are not right here. And of course, some people blame God, but God is not to blame for all the evil, all the wickedness, all the injustice on this earth. God's will is not being done perfectly on earth, and that's why we pray this prayer. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. God wants things to get better here. So we're praying for his kingdom to come, his will to come in greater degree than it is right now. Now, we do realize, even as we pray this prayer, that God's kingdom will only come in its fullness, in its perfect expression, when Jesus comes again. But this prayer request is about the kingdom increasing in fullness, increasing in impact, increasing in influence until Jesus returns to bring it in its full expression. So we're talking about God's kingdom. What is God's kingdom? God's kingdom is the sphere in which God's rule is recognized, in which God's rule is obeyed. And so God's kingdom reigns in the lives of believers. As believers, we're followers of Jesus Christ. We do what God says. We obey what he commands. The influence of God's kingdom can be seen in a wider realm. It has an influence when the principles of the kingdom 
are followed in business, when the principles of God's word are followed in government, when the principles of God's word are followed in relationships between people and families. And so God's kingdom can influence the broader society, even outside of the lives of believers. God's kingdom influences society through the, through the church and the believers that are part of it. Now today we're going to be talking about living for the kingdom in light of the future coming of the kingdom in its fullness, which is going to happen when Jesus comes in, comes again. Now living for the kingdom, it begins in our own lives, and then it extends to the rest of, uh, the, rest of uh, the things that we interact with. It extends to our families, it extends to our church, it extends to our work, it extends to all of our relationships. Living for the kingdom should be a top priority in our life. Matthew 6.33, and I uh, haven't mentioned yet this morning that there's a white page in the middle of your bulletin that has the scriptures written out as well as the outline. And on the back is a study guide. I'd encourage you to do that on your own. As this week, I don't believe there are any life groups meeting. Are there? I don't think so. So you're, you can do that on your own to dig in a little deeper to the message. Matthew 6.33, which is just a few verses down after Jesus gives us the Lord's Prayer. It says, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And all these things will be given to you as well. And so to seek God's kingdom in our lives should be our top priority in our life. And God says that when we do that, all of our other needs will be met. He's going to take care of everything. Now we see that in the Lord's Prayer. Which request comes first in the, Lord's re, re, uh, in the Lord's Prayer? Give us our daily bread or may your kingdom come. May your kingdom come comes first. It's a top priority. And our needs are down, down the priority list. They're going to be met. But it's only as we seek God's kingdom first. How we live in this life, impacts eternity. Now today we're going to look at a teaching about the kingdom by Jesus, also found in Matthew a little later on. It's commonly called the sheep and the goats. It's not really a parable, it's a teaching. Jesus is going to tell us what's going to happen at the end of time, and he's going to apply that to our lives today. So what is coming? Well, judgment is coming. Matthew 25, 31. It says, when the Son of Man, and that's often how Jesus referred to himself. He's talking about himself. When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, he will sit on his throne in heavenly glory. And so that's good news. Jesus is coming again. He promised it many, many times. Here he promises it again. He is coming again. It's going to happen at some point in the future. And when he comes, he's going to be seated on a throne. He's the King of kings. He's the Lord of lords. He's going to be seated on a throne for judgment. And this judgment is necessary to determine the eternal destinies of people and to bring this kingdom in its fullness. No one is exempt. Jesus says all the nations will be gathered before him and he will separate the people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. 
And so everyone will be gathered before this glorious throne. The living and the dead. Everyone will be there. It doesn't matter where you were born. It doesn't matter when you were born. You're going to stand before the judgment throne of Christ. Now, in Jesus' time, shepherds often graze their sheep and goats together at the same time. And usually at night, they would separate the sheep from the goats because they would keep them in different uh, enclosures or folds at night. Middle Eastern sheep and goats had very similar appearances and it took an expert shepherd to be able to separate them. Here Jesus speaks of judgment as separating people one from another, as separating the sheep from the goats. Everyone's going to be separated into two groups. Jesus says, I'll put the sheep on my right and the goats on my left. And so there are only two types of people in the world. You're either a sheep or you're a goat. There are not many kinds of people. There are not many types of relationships with God. You're either a believer or you're not. You're either a sheep or a goat. And the fact that the sheep are placed on Jesus' right hand gives you your first clue that the sheep are going to receive the blessing. It's much better to be a sheep than to be a goat. The goats are put on the left. The sheep are the believers and the fate of the goats is going to be terrible. Now this coming judgment is essential for the kingdom to come in its fullness. Jesus talked numerous times in many parables, many teachings, that judgment is necessary at the end of time to remove evil from his kingdom. To remove unbelievers from his kingdom. And so that his kingdom will be purified. This judgment is absolutely necessary to bring kingdom in, the kingdom in its fullness. And so when we pray for God's kingdom to come, we are praying for Christ to come back and for him to render this judgment to purify his kingdom. Now when we pray for God's kingdom to come, we're reminded that our beliefs, our actions in this life affect our eternity. Second Peter 3, I'll just jump to one other verse here, 11 and 12 says, and it's speaking again of the end of time and some other things that are going to happen there, the new heavens and new earth, which we're not going to get into this morning. But it says, since everything will be destroyed in this way, what kind of people ought you to be? In other words, when we're talking about the end of time, how does that affect our lives right now? Some people say, oh, we don't need to talk about that. That's way off in the future. But God's word says, no, it, it affects us right now. What kind of people ought we to be? It says, you ought to live holy and godly lives as you look forward to the day of God. That's a very interesting phrase at the end of this verse. And speed, it's coming. It's always fascinated me that you and I, by our lives here, can speed the coming of the Lord Jesus. It's an incredible thought. And so our understanding of what's coming in the future should motivate us to holy living today. Should motivate us to live godly lives. And as we do that, as we put God's kingdom as a priority in our lives, it actually speeds the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so for the believer, the coming of Jesus is something to be welcomed. It's something to be anticipated. It's something to be looked forward to. It's not something to be dreaded. 
And so now Jesus addresses the question, how is he going to separate the sheep from the goats? In other words, who will inherit God's kingdom? Verse 34, it says, Then the king, and that's Jesus, will say to those on his right. Who's on his right? The sheep. Come, you who are blessed by my father. Take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. And so after he separates the sheep from the goats, Jesus uh, invites the sheep to take their inheritance as children of God. The sheep are the believers. The sheep are those who have believed in Jesus Christ and they are blessed, he says. They're blessed in this life and they're blessed in eternity. The kingdom that they will inherit has been prepared for them since the creation of the world. God had this in his mind when he created the world to have this wonderful kingdom for the sheep, for his sheep, for the believers. And that's what eternal life is all about. It's living with Jesus in his kingdom forever and ever. Now Jesus goes on to explain, how are the sheep separated from the goats? Those who will inherit God's kingdom are servants of Jesus. He says in verse 35, For I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in. I needed clothes and you clothed me. I was sick and you looked after me. I was in prison and you came to visit me. And so in other words, the sheep, the children of God, are those who served Jesus in this life. Whatever he desired, whatever the needs of the kingdom uh, were, the sheep, the righteous, they, they served him. In other words, a, a person's eternal destiny hinges on how they serve Jesus in this life. The question is, how can we serve Jesus in this life? He's not here. I mean, we can't see him. How do we serve him? Well, Jesus goes on to explain that servants of believers serve Jesus. He says, then the righteous will answer him. And the righteous are the sheep. He says, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you? Or thirsty and give you something to drink and so on. And then he says, the king will reply, I tell you the truth. Whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers of mine, you did for me. And now we see that the sheep are the righteous. They are those who have believed in Jesus. They've had their sins forgiven. And they didn't realize that as they were, as they were serving, they didn't realize that they were serving Jesus in this life because they, they couldn't see him with their eyes. And Jesus explains to them, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers of mine, they were doing for him. Now, who are these brothers of Jesus? Now, some would say it's all people. But that's not how the Bible speaks. That's not how Matthew speaks. That's not how Jesus speaks. The people whom Jesus calls brothers and sisters are believers. Followers of Jesus Christ. And Jesus is saying when you serve the needs of fellow believers, you are serving Jesus Christ himself. Now we tend to read these needs as purely spiritual. I mean purely physical. But they certainly could be spiritual as well. People can be hungry and thirsty spiritually as well as physically. In fact, Jesus used those terms many times. In the Beatitudes, blessed are those who 
hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they will be filled. So there's people uh, uh, who are hungry spiritually that God wants us to help feed. And so the sheep give evidence that they are righteous by how they treat fellow Christians, by how they treat fellow believers in the church. And what does the New Testament call the church? The body of Christ. And so when we minister to other believers, we are ministering to Jesus Christ himself, to the body of Christ. So some misunderstand this teaching as saying that works bring salvation. And that's not what Jesus is teaching here at all. When we place this teaching in the context of all of Jesus' instructions, what he's saying is that those who are truly righteous, those who are truly followers of Jesus, they'll prove it by serving the needs of other believers. That's the evidence that we can see they are truly followers of Jesus. And so these actions are the fruit of faith. Faith brings salvation and these actions are the proof of the faith. The Apostle John states it this way in 1 John. He says, if anyone says, I love God, and yet hates his brother, he is a liar. For anyone who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. And he's given us this command, whoever loves God must also love his brother. Again, in 1 John, your brother and your sister are fellow believers. To love your brother is to serve his needs, and that demonstrates that you truly love God. And so the teaching of Jesus should motivate every believer to serve and the church family. Should motivate every believer to do what God has called them to do. To recognize that as we serve one another, as we serve other believers, we are indeed serving Jesus Christ himself. And so this morning, our application question that we need to ask ourselves is, how can I serve Jesus in my church family better? How would God have me improve in my service? And God will speak to you. Listen for his answer. Put it into practice. And so the sheep, those who serve Jesus by serving the least of these, by serving their brothers and sisters, inherit God's kingdom. Now who will not inherit God's kingdom? <clears throat> Verse 41, Then he, that's Jesus, seated upon the throne, will say to those on the left, and those on the left are the goats. He will say, depart from me, you who are cursed, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. So Jesus has addressed the sheep on his right. Now he addresses the goats on his left. Rather than spending eternity with Jesus, they're commanded to depart from him, away from his presence. Rather than being blessed as the sheep are, the goats are cursed. They're sent away into the eternal fire of hell. Now notice that God did not prepare eternal fire, the eternal fire of hell for people. Who was it prepared for? It was prepared for the devil and his angels. And so God wants everyone to repent. He wants everyone to, to become believers. But those who refuse to believe, they align themselves with the devil and the fallen angels who also have rebelled against God and they share the same fate. Now how does Jesus identify the goats? Well, the goats are those who didn't serve Jesus. He goes on to say, For I was hungry and you gave me nothing to eat. 
I was thirsty and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger and you did not invite me in. I needed clothes and you did not clothe me. I was sick and in prison and you did not look after me. And so the very things that the righteous did or the sheep did for Jesus, the unrighteous did not do. They did not serve Jesus in this life. The fruit of their lives proves that they were not believers, that they were not true followers of Jesus Christ. Now the goats appear very surprised at Jesus' answer. And so Jesus explains that people who will not inherit God's kingdom are those who didn't serve believers. The goats reply back to Jesus in verse 44. They also will answer, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or needing clothes or sick or in prison and did not help you? He will reply, I tell you the truth. Whatever you did not do for one of the least of these, you did not do for me. Notice here the goats called Jesus Lord. In all of Jesus' teaching, those who ultimately are sent to hell are surprised. They're very surprised. No one expects to go there. Basically, the goats are saying, we never saw you, Jesus. If we'd seen you, we would have helped you, but we never saw you. And so, but Jesus says, well, whatever you did not do to one of the least of these, Whatever you did not do to my brothers, whatever you did not do to true believers, true followers of Jesus, you did not do for me. In other words, what a person does not do for a believer or follower of Jesus, they did not do for Jesus. And Jesus then summarizes the results of his judgment in verse 46. Then they, speaking of the goats, will go away to eternal punishment but the righteous to eternal life. And so the destinations of the sheep and the goats are both eternal. They will go on forever. Your eternal destiny is permanent. There is no purgatory. There is no escape from eternal punishment in hell. It's permanent. It's eternal. But the righteous will inherit eternal life in the kingdom of God with Jesus forever and ever. And so when we pray the prayer, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, how can we cooperate with God? Well, first of all, we need to look at ourselves. What is the evidence that we are Jesus' sheep? Are we serving Jesus by serving believers in the church family? Now again, these, evident, these actions don't save us, but they're evidence of our salvation. What we do for other believers, we're doing for Jesus. What we don't do for other believers... We aren't doing for Jesus. Secondly, what about people you know? We all know lots of people. Everyone, was it 99 plus percent of people think they're going to heaven. Everybody thinks they're a sheep. Jesus teaches us that we are to be fruit inspectors. That's how we can tell if somebody is truly a believer or not. You don't go by what people say. Everybody's going to say, Lord, Lord. Every, well, most people today say they're Christians. You don't go by what people say. You go by their lives. We are to be fruit inspectors. Are the people you know, are they serving Jesus by serving Jesus' brothers and sisters in a church family? In a biblical church family, if they're not, it's clear evidence they're not saved, no matter what they say. 
And they're going to end up on Jesus' left on Judgment Day. Now what should we do about it? We'll pray for them. Talk to them. Encourage them to read the Bible. Invite them to church. Do all you can to introduce them, introduce to them Jesus as Lord. Do all you can to get them involved in serving in a biblical church like Life Church. And so as kingdom advancers, as those who pray the prayer, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, our priority in life must be to bring as many people as possible into the kingdom of God. And so today we've talked about living for the kingdom. This teaching of Jesus gives a heads up at what's going to happen on Judgment Day. But even more than that, it causes us to evaluate our faith. It causes us to evaluate our actions here and now in this life to be sure that we are living life as followers and servants of Jesus Christ. It also helps us evaluate others. And that's important so that we can do all we can to make sure the people we know, our friends, our relatives, our workmates, our neighbors, to make sure they won't be surprised on Judgment Day. That we can teach them the truth. We want to help them to receive the blessing of eternal life with Jesus Christ. And so to be blessed on Judgment Day a person needs to have committed their life to Jesus Christ. They do that by admitting that you've sinned, that you haven't been serving Jesus. Secondly, believe that Jesus died on the cross, that your sins might be forgiven, inviting Him into your life, committing yourself to following Him as your Lord and Savior. So let's bow our heads right now. We're going to pray. I'd encourage you, if you've never prayed a prayer like this, to pray along with me. Or if you want to recommit your life, that would be great as well. Say, Father, today I admit that I've sinned, I've done wrong things. I haven't been serving you with my whole life. I haven't been putting your kingdom as top priority in my life. Please forgive me. I believe that Jesus came to this earth, died on the cross, that my sins might be forgiven. I thank you that he rose from the dead and I commit myself to following Him as my Lord and Savior. Thank You for coming into my life. And for those of us who are believers, let's pray that God would use this Word to encourage us to live lives more pleasing to Him. Father, we thank You for this teaching of Jesus that opens our eyes and helps us to to look ahead at what's going to happen one day in the future. It opens our eyes to the importance of eternal realities. As followers of Jesus, God, we pray that you'd help us to serve you by serving our brothers and sisters in our church family. Help us to really realize that when we serve one another, when we serve the least of our brothers, we're doing it for you. And as we do, God, we look forward to an eternal reward in your kingdom as your sheep. Father, we pray that you'd show us, uh, show us those around us who have not yet made a commitment to, to Jesus Christ as Lord. Show us those who call you Lord, but 
don't show the evidence or the fruit of serving other believers and being a living part of a church family. Give us the courage, God, to cooperate in bringing your kingdom to our world even now and spreading the truth of your gospel, the good news about who you are and how a person could commit their lives to your lordship. We pray, God, that your will would be increasingly done in and through our lives, just as it is in heaven. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.